Hi, voice teachers. Today's podcast is all about repertoire challenges. How do you feel about repertoire? Are you up to date on all the latest, greatest songs? Have you seen and heard all the new and exciting musical theater shows? Maybe you're like a lot of us. Maybe you're struggling to find great songs for your singers. Are you in a repertoire rut? Are you assigning the same songs over and over and over again? Well, join the club. Repertoire is always a challenge in the teaching studio. So today we're talking about those challenges on our podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast. Resources for private, classroom, and choral music programs. And here's your host, Nikki Loney. Hi, voice teachers. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Today, uh, we're talking about repertoire. It is by far one of the biggest challenges that we uh, all face. It can be challenging to find uh, great songs that uh, complement your singers and their ability, their age, their gender, um, that they like, that they're interested in. It's a time-consuming activity, staying on top of great repertoire choices and and being up to date on new songs, new singers, new shows. It's a lot of time. And you know, I have a funny story. I have several colleagues who are voice majors, um, more than qualified to be teaching voice, beautiful singers, who actually choose not to teach voice. They teach piano. And the big reason for them is that they just don't like the challenge of finding repertoire and they don't relate to some of the new contemporary music so they don't feel that they really want to uh they 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 don't want to be involved in it so it is definitely by far one of the biggest challenges and here at the full voice workbooks at the full voice music office um this is one of the most common questions we get uh from teachers through email through our focus groups um And the biggest question is, well, why is there no repertoire in the full voice books? And I actually got some angry phone calls about that. Uh, People purchased the books and then were very disappointed that there were no songs in there for their singers. We actually considered, for a very brief time, having repertoire in, in the full voice books. But our focus groups, our test groups, all the teachers that we talked to, well, nobody could agree. Nobody could agree on any songs. So we felt that the full voice workbooks would serve more teachers and more students and more music programs if we left the repertoire selection to the expert, and the expert being the teacher that's working with the student. So it goes back to the, the idea that we need to assess our singers before we assign songs for our singers. There's a lot more challenges involved, and we're going to kind of address some of them today. Um, not specifically uh, songs that you can use, but I have to tell you, because I'm really excited about this, We're working on a couple of new podcasts, and we're going to call them Repertoire Recommendations, and I'm going to have great guest experts. You might discover some great new music, or you might rediscover a song that, um, you know, an older song that you, you maybe forgotten about, or maybe haven't used it in a while. So I cannot wait. I'm very excited. My first guest is actually a really good friend of mine. Her name's Anne Barnshaw, and she has worked in musical theater and community theater forever. And she's got some great ideas. I'm so excited. But today's podcast 
isn't specifically about individual songs to recommend. It's about just general challenges that I think at one point or another, all of us have to deal with. Finding repertoire for singers of any age is difficult. Six years, 60 years, I have a hard time finding repertoire for myself, which is why I go to my friend Anne, and then she actually has great ideas, and I usually have great success with the songs she chooses. So let's just let's just kind of talk about that for a second. So uh, we get we get a lot of questions like, why can't there be a singing method book that works just like a piano method? You know, like a singing book, like a Faber and Faber piano method book. Wouldn't that be nice? an all-in-one. An all-in-one book. There's no lesson prep. There's no running around looking for for other materials. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. I, it's, I don't think that's ever going to be possible. And here's why. So when we are picking songs for our singers, we have to take into a lot of consideration. So we all know about age. We want age appropriateness. But we also have to look at ability appropriateness. So is the singer capable, like physically capable at this particular time to sing this song? Gender, right? Girls and boys songs, they're different. And then of course, on top of all of these details, it's, it's the singer's preferences or influences or the singer's comfort level. And sometimes it's the parents. Sometimes the parents' preferences actually have a lot to do with whether the child, the singer, is going to be successful with that piece or not. So all of these factors play sometimes a very frustrating part in choosing and finding those great pieces. Let's talk strategies for a little bit. So I think one of the first things that I like to do when I'm talking to new families or I'm talking to a new student is I clearly define the genre of music that I do teach and that I don't teach. And I let everybody know right off the bat, this is what I do in the studio. These are the types of, this is the type of music that I work with. And if this person's looking for something else, um, I have a list of colleagues that I can refer them to. And I am more than happy. I am always so happy to send someone to somebody who I think is more appropriate. I think that is that's a customer service thing. You know, you, somebody that I, I don't feel I can help. I am not ashamed or embarrassed. It's not what I do. I think that if you clearly define your niche market, I guess you could call it, um, and, you, and you're very vocal about it, pardon the pun, the, the students that want to work with you and that will bring you better repertoire choices, uh, they'll find you. So here's some other teacher challenges that we I think we all face from time to time. So the first one is, you know, the new student. You know, you get a new student and sometimes it just takes a while to get to know them. And sometimes it takes the student a while to be comfortable singing for you. I, I think it takes about a month it, for some singers longer to just get relaxed enough that they actually can show you what they can do with their voice. And so because we don't know the singer that well, because we don't know their voices that well, you know, sometimes the first songs that you kind of work on can be hit and miss and probably mostly miss. And you got to be careful because sometimes if you pick iffy songs in the beginning with a new student, you might lose them. You might have a student that quits uh, 
you know, before you even get started with them. So you really have to be careful. So here's a suggestion. When you got a new student, don't start with repertoire right away. Don't, the first couple of lessons shouldn't be about songs and let them know that. Get to know the student. Let them get comfortable. Discover their voices. Let them show you what they can do. Now, this is where on, not to, you know, toot my own horn, but this is where I love using the full voice workbooks because the full voice workbooks have a lot of games and activities that one, help the student to get comfortable and two, they're amazing assessment tools. And if you're not using the full voice workbooks, that's fine. Play some games do technical exercises, have some fun with them, and, and, and get to know more about them. The more comfortable a student is, the better chance they are to have a successful first song with you. And that is so important. Challenge number two, your students bring in a song that is not appropriate or they want to sing a song that is completely outside of their ability. So they bring a song, let's say it's lyrically inappropriate. I love that. Sometimes it's not that there's swearing or anything in it, but if you're a contemporary teacher or even in the musical theater field, there's some songs that are about very mature things. And sometimes they just don't know. They don't know the backstory or they're not really paying attention to the lyrics. So the student brings a song in and you're thinking, hmm, this isn't really the best song for you. So what do you do? How do you handle it? Well, I think the first thing we need to remember is that music is very personal. What you don't want to do is completely dismiss the song or the artist. The song or the artist that sings that song might be the reason that that singer started lessons in the first place. And you know, insulting it or, or putting it down or dismissing it completely is, is really personal and you can really insult someone. And that really puts, a, uh, that really puts stress into the teacher-student relationship. So you have to proceed with caution. So you may want to let them try it, if only for an exercise. But feel free to open up a conversation about why it may or may not be a great song uh, for a performance down the road. What about, what about a song that is, uh, outside of their ability? All right. Okay. Okay. Voice teachers. Okay. How many of you had like your smallest, tiniest little singer with a very small range bring in, let it go from Frozen? <laughs> that song has the biggest range and, it's it, it's quite a big sing, and, and I know all little girls everywhere wanted to sing it. And again, I would give you the same suggestion, the same strategy. Let them try it. Let them have fun with it. If they love the song, they're going to practice it. And you can discuss things like this part's probably too low for you, and this part might be a little bit high, but it's not a bad exercise. Be courteous of their feelings. We don't want to insult them. We don't want to hurt their feelings. And we certainly don't want them to feel insecure or uncomfortable about bringing other songs to us. That's, that's a very important part. Challenge 2A. This is along the same lines. Parents want their kids to sing songs that are inappropriate or outside of their abilities. Parents have huge influence, as they should, on their kids. And moms and dads you know, have their favorite songs and, you know, nothing would make them happier if their if their children sang those songs. 
And sometimes those songs are, um, yeah, inappropriate. And uh, <laughs> I had a wonderful family. This was a few years back. They, a six-year-old boy, um, wonderful little guy. Um, but they brought him in and they were like, yeah, he can sing Adele's um, Someone Like You. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> it's it's cute, I suppose, but what am I supposed to do that for educational purposes? It was it was an awkward it was an awkward situation, and and um, he loved the song and he sang it really intensely, but um, it was a little strange. Um, I've I've also lost students because mom and dad you know, weren't on the same page with what I felt I wanted my singers to be working on and, and what they would have liked to have heard. So usually this awkwardness can be avoided um, in the first interview or conversation with families when, you know, when they're inquiring about lessons. Again, you know, clearly defining the genres of music you do or do not teach. Um, and again, you want to tread with caution. You want to not insult anybody. Um, and you don't want to put anybody down. Um, a family's choice of music is personal. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not our place to tell them what they should or should not be listening to. But, you know, proceed with caution. You know, open up a dialogue. You can be honest. You know, this is a great song, but I don't think that I feel comfortable working on this or I don't think it's going to show off their voice or, you know, be honest. Now, challenge number four. This is a big one. I get this. I read this all the time. I get this in emails. Um, kids can't relate to conservatory repertoire. I hear this from teachers all the time. And I agree and I disagree with that statement. And, I, and I, so let me explain. So uh, singers of all ages uh, tend to make connections with the artist or the genre sometimes more than individual songs. So songs that you introduce to a student and they have no reference. So they have they don't they're they're not associated with a celebrity or a, a genre that they are familiar with um, is often met with, you know, a little hesitation and and some kids, you know, some kids are are, are quite adamant about it like I don't want to sing this. But really it's it's about it's about the fear of the unknown so we're we're introducing something to young singers and and this applies to adults too adults you throw a, a song that adult an adult has never heard before or doesn't relate to and they they're, they're going to stick their uh, they they're not going to be happy about it either i was going to say they're going to stick their heels in the mud that's not what i wanted to say um but I, th I think that when we're introducing new music, um, especially a genre that they're not familiar with, the best thing that we can do is give them details. Well, first of all, tell them why. This is why I want to work on this song. This is why I'm choosing this song for you. Um, give them details about the song. Talk through the text. Sometimes they just don't understand what the song's about. And if it's an older song, you might have to have a conversation and make it relevant. Well, this song is is older, but it's about this, and you can relate to that, right? 
and background stories or some interesting information about the composer. Um, talk about the piano accompaniment. Ask them questions. Ask them musical questions. I think if you give them the reason why and if you give them as much information and you explain to them why you want them to sing this, you may find that they're okay with it. In fact, once they get comfortable and once they try a few pieces, you actually may find that they really enjoy it. In my studio, I I like my students to sing a wide variety of repertoire. I encourage it. I want them to sing classical repertoire. I want them to try some contemporary. I want them to try musical theater. When they get older, I like to introduce jazz. And I try to give them as much information about the songs, and I find that that helps them a lot. And I find that they they do like it. So yes, kids can and adults can be fussy about songs and, and styles they don't know about, but that's a great teaching opportunity for you and a communication. Like you're communicating, well, there's a reason for this. And I often say to my, my younger singers who are very interested in contemporary music, I could give them the opportunity to sing that. But I often say this to my singers and to their families. If I thought that just singing one style of music would make you an amazing singer and an amazing musician, don't you think we'd do that week after week? And that often kind of puts it into perspective and they kind of see the bigger picture. Uh, Challenge number five. This is a tough one. You, you the teacher, cannot relate to the songs that the students want to sing. I remember when I started teaching over 20 years ago, I, I listened to the same music as, as my students because I was performing it. And I did a lot of session work back then and I had to stay on top of contemporary styles. And that's not the case anymore. Um, now, I, I try and I recommend that you want to keep your ear to the ground You need to be able to relate to the young singers, but um, it is tough. So strategies here, try to have an open mind and maybe every once in a while turn the radio station or turn your satellite station to the contemporary hits. You, You might find that it's not so bad. And if you really find that you are just not interested in the contemporary styles or the newer musical theater, um, you you probably have to look at reevaluating your teaching studio. And what I mean by that is, I don't think it's the end of the world, but you may want to start connecting and working with older singers because they don't want to sing Taylor Swift either. And you might need to change your niche. You might need to open your doors to a different demographic. And just conversationally speaking, baby boomers are one of the biggest growing demographics of people that are coming back to music lessons. Baby boomers are retiring and they've got more time, they've got more money, uh, they've blown out their hips and their knees, so they're not going salsa dancing, and they're coming back to lessons. So with that being said, you, as you age and as you, as your musical um, tastes, uh, you know, stray from mainline commercial music, um, there's still lots of singers out there that I'm sure you can relate to. Repertoire challenge number six. Uh, your singers don't have the sheet music for the songs they want to perform. All right, we're getting into icky territory here. I want everybody to hear me out. 
We're talking about the photocopying dilemma. A lot of teachers photocopy music for their students. I have had transfer students that have come to me from other teachers with binders and binders full of photocopied music. Now, the biggest complaint that a lot of teachers have is that they they don't want to burden parents with having to purchase a whole bunch of music books or, well, this song is only in this big book and we only needed the one song and I'd, and it, it's understandable. Um, uh, this is also an issue for those of you who are in rural areas. If you don't have a music store, uh, it, I, I understand it can be a challenge. Um, and this is an issue for even some piano teachers who want supplemental materials outside of their primary method book or teachers that kind of will take from one method book and another. So it's, it's, it's a problem and it's a problem on many levels. So I want you to hear me out. Okay. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I understand. So number one, obviously copyright laws, photocopying music. We, we know that we're, 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 we're taking something that's not ours and we're not paying for it. But there's actually some other reasons that I want you to consider and and then I got some strategies to kind of help with this. So the other reason why photocopying is an issue is if you are always donating your time and your money and taking on that extra activity of photocopying for your students, they will come to expect it. They will come to expect that you are going to do that for them. And... You know, that might be okay for some people, but if you're cutting corners and you're you're doing all these things for your students, people come to expect it. And being um, giving of your time doesn't make you an awesome teacher. It makes you a bad business person, actually, because you are giving away your time and money to very valuable things. The time, I think, is is the big thing. The other thing that I want you to recognize or consider, ponder, is that you're missing out on a money-making opportunity. Most music stores and some online music stores offer discounts, 20%, sometimes anywhere from 10 to 25% sometimes. And if you're going to go to the trouble to purchase books for your students, you don't give them the discount you charge them the regular retail price. And that little extra money that you make, it's not a lot, but that covers your time. That pays for your gas. That's a lot of money that you're just giving away. The last thing that I want to bring up, and this is something that um, I recently was discussing with um, some of my colleagues. Now, they teach in post-secondary. And what they were relaying back to me is that many of the young people, so we're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-olds that are in university or college, don't know how to purchase music. They have no clue. They've never stepped foot in a store. Uh, they've never been to an online music uh, site like musicnotes.com. They don't know the difference between a lead sheet and um, piano, vocal, guitar. They don't know... Uh, they don't know how to buy music. They don't know how to figure out keys. Um, if you're constantly photocopying music, 
you are missing out on a teaching opportunity, a learning opportunity for your students. And it's something that we need to, to consider. So whether it's the singer, whether it's the parents, um, helping them and teaching them how to buy music online uh, is really a great thing to do. And um, investing some lesson time to teach families how to purchase legal sheet music in the right key with the right scoring is a skill that will pay you back and pay them back. Because when they find a new song, they know how to get the music. Those are some things we need to think about before we start photocopying for our students. And, and I hope you consider them and I hope you think about those points that I brought up. So... The one little thing I wanted to add, I had some um, graduating students that were moving on to college and university who uh, stopped by my studio one day to give me a hug, and then they dropped off, donated all of their old repertoire books. So I had this box of extra copies of a lot of the, the music books that I use in my teaching studio. So I have a box of donated books that I can, you know, if there's a song I want to try and, you know, I don't have to get the parents to rush out and buy the music, we can try it. You can use my book. Um, it's actually it's actually worked out really well. I also never, ever have to loan out any of my music ever again. And I know that uh, I have colleagues that have lost hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of repertoire books. They don't come back. If you haven't figured that out yet, if you loan out your dearest music collections, they don't come back. So don't do it. So there you have it. There's a few challenges pertaining to repertoire in the teaching studio. I hope you found it insightful. Uh, I hope I had some ideas that maybe you hadn't thought about before. I hope I didn't make you angry about the whole photocopying part. So as usual, our website, thefullvoice.com, has oodles of free teacher resources, free lesson downloads. Thank you for joining me, and uh, I'll see you on our next podcast. No, I won't see you. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you on our next podcast. Have a great day and happy singing. You have been listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and free teacher resources, please visit our website at www.thefullvoice.com. Made by Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca.